The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Hello, everybody. And I certainly know all of you are. You're just the most amazing uh, listening audience out there. I'm just so thrilled to participate in your lives and to feature each and every week tools Um, in which to guide us to continue to expand our world, our thinking, keep us out of a box, and and just know there's so much more that is going on than just the everyday go to work, come home, married, not, looking to be, having children, used to, empty nesters, or whatever the conversations may be. It's just always a pleasure to serve you and and be part of your experience, uh, whether you are Uh, exercising right now and listening to an mp3 or whether you are live with us um, at this moment it's just a pleasure to have you Um, I've just really been looking forward to this conversation because one of the things that I have been asking uh, in my talks over the past year have been why is it that when someone dies we say rest in peace Um, I don't understand why we still say that especially being more awake in our culture, because who would die to go rest? I think people die to go back to work, (laughs) to move on, to come up with new projects or do some things they long to do. So, but that's been my opinion. And today we have an expert and we love experts. We have the one and only Lisa Najar and her book is uh, Dying to Tell You. And Lisa talks to people on the other side, and most importantly, she talks to people that some of you might know, some common people. Lisa, goodness, I've been excited about having you today. Thank you for agreeing to be on our show. Hi, Temple, and thank you so much for having me. It's just such a pleasure. Well, this is just truly, you know, like I said, it's a very important uh, conversation And that veil of it really being so thin is so important for people to understand. Um, I think it would help people with their grief. I think it would help people get insight from guides and amazing masters that are in in another dimension. And, um, And I agree with you. I think that you say dying is easy and it's the living that's the harder part. So... How did all this come about for you? Did you know when you were little that 
one day you were going to be talking to celebrities and sharing their stories? Oh, my gosh. No, <laughs> no, just a, a, just a big no with an exclamation point on that. And I just wanted to comment on your comment about resting. Oh, dear God, they are so far from resting. I in know. fact, the rest in peace should be for us, the ones left over. We need to say they need to be saying it to us. Rest in peace because your loved one is not only happy, but they are flying. They are doing you know, 50 times more than they ever did on earth. It's a beautiful place. Now, granted, if they've had a a difficult passing, a long illness, a really long life, or a a very sudden, unexpected death, then yes, there is, for some people, there there is this beautiful spa-like resting place. I call it the healing pools or whatever you want to, you know, call call it. My, My guests in my book, you know, use different names for it. But Basically, you're, you're there to regenerate, you rejuvenate, replenish, to heal, to, to simply rest. But it doesn't last forever. And, um, and then there's work to do. It's, it's a vibrant, happy, amazing, creative experience up there. And, uh, yeah, we, we look very, very lazy down here, to be honest, compared to what's going on up there. It's so cool that you say that. Um, I I tell people to this day, one of my most memorable experiences was in the famous cemetery in Paris. The name isn't coming to me right now, but it's where Oscar Wilde, um, Jimmy Morrison, all of the greats uh, of significance, so many of them are buried that place is rocking. Let me tell you, that is one alive place as a cemetery. It is just the greatest energizing experience. Feathers are flying everywhere. It's like angels are all around. It is so cool. So I'm so glad you said that and and put that into the perspective that you did. Um, because it's it's ongoing. It it just shocks me that people promote eternal life, but they don't believe in it. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't yeah. doesn't go to it doesn't really go together. Um, yeah. When did you first become aware that you uh, were touching base with something that was not just an update in People magazine? When did you realize that you were getting tuned in? that I really became aware of it was when I was 17 and had an experience at a girlfriend's home where I was sleeping in the bedroom of um, my friend's two sisters who had tragically passed each a year apart from the other. So Mm. I was in that very bedroom when these young girls passed, one a teenager and one a preteen. And, um, and I, I heard them. I heard them out in the living room. I, I watched them playing under the Christmas tree and moving things around. And so that was my first, I guess, awareness of it. But I didn't think a thing of it, to be honest with you. I didn't think anything exciting about it. I didn't think anything negative about it. It was just very matter of fact. My girlfriend wasn't uh, a believer. Her parents weren't a believer. So it didn't go anywhere that communication but I just knew and that was enough for me and I carried on and really didn't think a thing of it and went through my life I guess 
without much thought of it until I, I was about, I guess, in my 30s, early 30s, and went to a spiritualist church where my friend was a minister. And uh, the medium on the platform came to me and said, you can do what I do. And all you have to do is learn to quiet your mind. Well, my friend and my sister and I, all the ones that were with me, we laughed and we laughed. Because the thought of me quieting my mind was absurd. <laughs> I thought, well, okay, then I guess I'll never do this. And I didn't much care because it wouldn't have been the work I wanted to do anyways. And time went on. And, um, and then I had the profound uh, experience that I write about in the forward uh, to my book. And that was um, I was with another girlfriend over lunch. And uh, she was telling me, about a very uh, tragic missing persons case up in Canada where I lived at the time. And uh, this elderly couple went away on a, a holiday. Well, I guess vacation. That's my Canadian. Went away on a summer vacation and, uh, and they didn't come back. And she said, yeah, it's this, you know, it's, it's very tragic. Nobody knows what happened to them. And in that instant, I could feel the woman there. And I said to my friend, this, the woman is here. So I knew she had passed. And so she followed me home. The woman followed me home and stayed with me for several weeks and kept saying to me, you have to find my daughter. You have to reach out and find my daughter. And I couldn't, couldn't even imagine that. So I said, look, I'm not even a medium, a practicing medium. I don't know who your daughter is. I don't watch TV. I haven't watched TV in 20 years. I don't know what this case is about. I'm so sorry. I can't, I don't know what to do. And she didn't, she didn't let up. She stayed with me for a solid two weeks, and finally I couldn't take it anymore. She was, you know, poking me and, and, and playing and disturbing me, not in a bad way, but just trying to get my attention. And finally I said, okay, okay, I'll, I will find your daughter. And I figured, well, it's a high-profile missing person case. How hard could it be? So uh, she said, but before you do, can you get a pen, pen and paper? So then I did, and she channeled through me a very beautiful simple poem for her daughter and she, she it felt like it was a really important piece of this so the next day I set about looking for this daughter I found her I made the very difficult um, phone call and my god it was probably the hardest phone call I've ever made didn't know if she believed in this stuff had to tell her in other words her mother is, is dead so um, uh, but I did make the call and she did believe in, in this kind of work. She listened. I gave her a message from her mother. She asked if she could come over. She came over late that night. And uh, the first thing I did was hand her the poem. And she just broke down and said, now I know my mom has truly passed. Because she said, I've worked with over 100 psychics and mediums to find my parents. And I remember the conversation my mom and I had in the kitchen before they left. And it was, Whoever passes first will reach the other one through something written. And nobody had ever given me anything written. And now I know it's my mother. And, of course, what a sad moment there for her, knowing that, oh, my God, they're not just missing. They're, well, the mother for sure, most likely the father's passed. Wow. So that was kind of how that really, I think, registered with me that this is a very important gift and how healing and meaningful it can be and once I realized that I think very slowly after that the dawning came that 
maybe maybe this is some of the work that I will do, which always has been under the guise of helping to raise consciousness on the planet. And I didn't think it would be this way, but I was starting to realize it it could include this as well. Uh, Lisa, were you were you one of the individuals that could just recognize the gift and just keep going, or were you like you know someone like me that the saboteur kept kicking in? You know, it's like, whoa, this is too much responsibility. <laughs> you know, I just want to be ordinary. You know, I can't imagine even thinking that now, <laughs> but then you know, teenager, early twenties, it's like, ugh. I stand out too much. I, I don't really know that I want this. Did you have any of that? Um, or was it just kind of, um, this is what I'm supposed to do, and you just kept developing through the years? Well, that's a very interesting question because I don't think I realized any of that at the beginning because I, it was almost irrelevant. I, it was a very matter of fact, okay, I can do this, but so what? Now what? And I didn't think a thing of it, and I didn't think I would do it for work of any kind anyways. So I didn't think about it. And when it came that I realized I do have these gifts, that's when all this old stuff from before, and I mean by that other lifetimes, came Mm -hmm. up. And I worked with a healer. I can't tell you, Temple, how many years I worked with somebody. And this isn't about doing it professionally. This is just about having any gift like that. I worked with a healer in Arizona that I, I uh, always work with um, for years to try and sort of go through the layers of the fear that was brought forward that I was remembering from past lives where I was, uh, well, either gave information that was wrong and, and people died, or uh, in some cases I was captured for my gift and I was used because I was apparently a master manifester and other things in other lifetimes, and I was killed for it. I was um, abused for it. I was kicked out of my family for it. I was uh, used and and captured for it in various lifetimes. There were so many past lives that were traumatic because of these gifts of prophecy, manifestation, all of it. And I didn't want any part of it. It scared me so badly. And I thought, I can't, I can't do this. And I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked over those in numbers of years to to heal the layers of that and realize some very important things and that is that we are all powerful beings and and none of us and we co-create our lives we we create our own reality so there's nothing i can ever say to anyone that can ever actually harm them because i'm not more powerful than them they're the ones that make all the choices so even if i gave them information that that day was wrong and they went out and made a choice based on it that was part of their plan anyways and I was if you will helping them with that lesson and I had to learn all that in order to be able to do this work because it is a a heavy responsibility those are there are a couple of uh, immensely powerful things from what you're saying and because we are the show the intentional spirit and I have a institute for leadership and I know you do programs that help people and et cetera. Um, I, I like to kind of highlight, especially the point that you're, you're making because often um, people will say, 
Well, my childhood was pretty great, you know, I mean, or, you know, I haven't really had it that rough, but I'm terrified of the work I feel I'm called to do. And I think that's important that you're highlighting that. So did I. It was not only uh, one uh, shamanic practitioner who did past life um, energy work with me, but then another Guruji from Singapore. And I mean, heavy work, as you know, (laughs) you and I both know the heaviness of that work um, that you do to clear those kind of things that keep uh, stopping you. And so I think that's a key point. If you're tuning in, you're listening in, you know, to know someone like Lisa, this is part of her story. For those of you that know me, it's part of my story that it's the past life stuff that often uh, stops us uh, to our tracks. And you can visit Lisa's website, dyingtotellyoubooks.com, dyingtotellyoubooks.com. Because this is uh, very important because until one rids themselves of that influencing energy underneath, uh, it continues to stop us. And the other thing, um, Lisa, you got me going, uh, (laughs) that, that I learn to sit with and it's exactly what you said but I wanted to share it with you I am responsible to I am not responsible for I am responsible Mm -hmm. to the responsibility of sharing what I feel called to share I am not responsible for how someone responds takes it uses it quotes me or anything otherwise and I've found that very helpful. And obviously that's been a tremendous breaking point for you. So those of you that are out there that are difference makers that are still in a closet, you know, come on out of that closet, realize it takes effort and energy and clearing. Um, but you're not responsible for how people quote and take what you say. Oh my goodness. I mean, every talk I ever do, people tell me, I love what you said about that. And I've thought to myself, I didn't even I didn't even address that. <laughs> so good for you, Lisa. Good for you for breaking through those things. Thank you. It was a lot of work, and it was coming in pieces, and I was scared the whole way. Very, very, very scared because, as you know, when these old remembrances come back from past lives, whether it's unusual, unexplainable, a scare, you know, fear of a knife or flying or odd things that we don't even know where they came from. Most likely it's past lives, and, uh, and and this was that. It was just terrorizing for me. I, I, I would just wake up in sweats thinking about giving somebody a piece of information. And that continued really until oh, I think I'm still tested with it occasionally. Like last year I did a session with somebody, and they were asking me if the child they were carrying was going to be all right because she was an older woman. And I thought, and all of a sudden it all came flooding back. Oh God, oh God, these are very big questions. Or should I leave my husband even though I have five little kids under the age of eight? I mean, these are big questions. And I don't, you know, I, I, people need to realize that we get what we get and all we can get. And we give only what we get. And there's a reason spirit gives it to us. And it could be we're wrong because psychics are not, if, listen, if we were all right about everything 100%, well, We'd have a lineup for about 10 years straight on a, a waiting list of clients. It just isn't ha- it doesn't happen. There isn't anyone who can, can do that. And the reason is because it's potentials and possibilities. 
and I only read potentials and possibilities. If you stay on that path right now, that's the trajectory. Otherwise, and at any point, you make a sharp left turn, a sharp turn, boom, different. And so you're, you're creating. We are creating our own reality, and nobody can read that 100%. Uh, with mediumship, it's a little different in the sense of that's directly communication from a loved one, and that's what they're saying. Now, even that, as you know, it goes through the channel, the human channel, and we have junk in the way, and we have bad connections and, and reception some days. So, you know, ever, I always tell even my own friends, and listen, I go to psychics and mediums too all the time. I love it. But I tell everybody, clients and friends, Use it to confirm certain things in your life if you want. Use it for entertainment. Use it to give you a little hope. Use it to certainly to connect with loved ones that have passed. That's wonderful. But do not believe that it's gospel in every case for everybody everywhere, especially the psychic pieces. That's just for a little bit of a guide. It's to help with clarity, help with uh, direction, help you process things help see some pieces you're not you're not getting and um and and use it use it like that but not as oh my god i can't make a move without this this psychic right exactly or or to feed it so much that you you make it true i wish doctors would stop being psychics you know what i'm saying so right absolutely uh i think you're you're spot on you're kind of laying the groundwork of Take this like a, an opinion or a map. This is a map, but you also have five more choices as to the road you can take, and it's really up to you. Yeah, I think that's very powerful and and how you're connecting it out. Well, one of the things that I found <clears throat> so uh, cute on your, uh, I don't know if cute's the word, uh, meaningful is a better word, I think, when I saw you were with uh, David from the the monkeys, that used to be a poster in my room <laughs> of loving the monkeys. And I actually saw them in concert. I don't know if you did, but that was a big deal as a teenager in my life. I got to see them. Um, when did you first become aware that you were tuning in to celebrities? What was that? What was that like for you I know we don't have a lot of time to elaborate before break but we certainly have a lot of time after but how did that happen that happened I was in some uh, at the lakes there's some beautiful fifth dimensional lakes in uh, the Rocky Mountains in Banff Alberta and I was at those four magical fifth dimensional lakes and a friend of mine who was a medium actually brought through Walt Disney and he came to me and he said Lisa don't give up on your dream. I'm going to help you. And at the time, it was a channeled spiritual comedy TV series that came out of literally nowhere. And I didn't have a clue what to do with it because I'm not in TV. So I had not, I just put it away. And he said, no, don't give up on that. I'm going to help you make that happen. And that was the first contact ever with anyone famous like that. And then years later, he came back to me and asked me if I would do a project for him. He described it, said it was this book. It would be a, a famous celebrities and historical figures. They had something to say, and they wanted to use me to say it through, and um, it would help both of us do our work. And, uh, and well, in the book I say, I, I told 
Disney, no, I, I'm not doing it because I'm not a writer and I was a single mom and there's no way I was going to embark on yet a new career. So I said no for several years. And finally, George Harrison, Abe Lincoln and Walt Disney came to me on Good Friday, um, Easter weekend being always my most favorite weekend of the year, came to me that weekend of 2015 and said, now will you do it? And I said, okay, my son's off in university now. I, I'm still not a writer but okay. Um, and they said, you don't have to write. It's just, you're, you are a court reporter. You're still going to just take dictation. That's all we want. You don't have to write a thing. I said, great. All right. When do we begin? And that's how it started. That's so incredible. <laughs> Such a unique story. You know, it really, it really is. And, and I think it's, it's so validating for some people tuning in because they, too, may have gotten some insight from someone from the other side, famous or not, and totally invalidated it. And it sounds like initially you were willing to do so as well. Like, what would Walt Disney be contacting me for? You know, <laughs> what a story. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. I, I didn't even know. They, they, I just had never heard of that before. And I, I remember saying to my friend, huh? What Walt the the Walt Disney like what what but I guess I believed in him so much that is my friend that I just believed it and uh, and I needed the message at the time and I loved the message but you know I I just didn't know what to make of it in the end actually and then when he came through to me by that time I was definitely more used to it because I was receiving messages from people and and different things along the way so. It wasn't such a shock the second time, but yeah, very, very unique situation, I think. Yeah, I was, I would say I, I was thinking uh, prior to uh, us talking, I've been doing this for many years now, 12, I believe. I've never seen any kind of book or material come my way or, or anyone uh, share in this way. It's very unique and, you know, tremendously powerful, that's for sure. If you're just tuning in with us, I'm talking to Lisa Najar, and she is the author of Dying to Tell You, and also a medium psychic and does appearances, and she has a lot going on in her in her life. But when you think about the book Dying to Tell You, which talks about things Steve McQueen has said and Abraham Lincoln and Davy Jones from the monkeys. What a great thing to share with other people, especially those who are skeptical. Because when you think about it, often people are willing to listen to what celebrities say more than anybody else. It doesn't always make sense, but that's what we do. We tend to follow the masses or the way of what's popular. But you can go to her website, dyingtotellyoubooks.com. That's dying to tell you books.com. I'm Temple Hayes. Visit me at my website, templehayes.com or firstunity.org to tune in to all the various things we have happening. We'll be right back after this short break. Thank you for being with us. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for being with us. I'm talking to Lisa Najar, who is wonderful and profound, and we're talking about who she talks to, like Elvis and Abraham Lincoln and Walt Disney. I mean, that's just a typical week for her, Mother Mary. I mean, just really, really beautiful stuff. And as we were talking during break, um, one of our faves here. Uh, at the campus and the people that follow us uh, globally is the one and only David Pramal. So I was seeing she gave you a huge endorsement, Lisa, and she is just an incredible, amazing human being. She's way up there on the top. So um, good for her if she's encouraged you anyway to keep doing what you're doing because she's definitely something else. Yes, she, uh, as I said to her, Deva, well, we've become friends now, but she, she is my book, this book's number one fan. She truly is. The first year it came out, every single night at her concert, so the band tells me, she would stand up on stage and tell them all about this book. And she just believed in the messages so much. And she does everything to help my book to get out there because they re- she really thinks that the messages are important. And, um, and I, I like to joke with her that she wrote the soundtrack to this book because I listened to the Gayatri mantra while I would channel these beautiful guests. And so she, that, that her music is part of it. And I mean, it, her music is beloved and always was a favorite of mine to begin with. But yes, this is very special. Oh, wow. Well, when you speak to her again, if you think of it, give her a love hug for me. She's been to our campus two or three times. So I just, oh, I you know, Tin and Minos. So I just, uh, just thank the world of them. Well, wow. So (laughs) lots of people. Um, So let's take us on a journey and tell us about some of the people that um, I'll ask on behalf of my mom and my uncle, who are Elvis fans. Um, I saw him just a couple of weeks before he died um, in concert, of course. I didn't, you know, sit with him and have tea or anything. But um, what does Elvis have to say? Yeah, Elvis was really a beautiful soul. He, uh, he, I, I say that he's in Heartbreak Hotel right now, and I guess he is. He's, uh, what he's seeing is that every act of kindness, he sees the light from it. He sees how the light reverberates right off the planet. And he's saying, oh, my God, if I had known what, what an act of kindness did, I would have done kindness all day long. And so I think there's this level of regret that with all his influence and power and reach that he couldn't and didn't use more of his time to help others. And I think that's something he has to work through. And he is in in a state right now where he's working through that, Uh, not in a terrible judgy kind of way, but just seeing how important it is. And it was a powerful chapter because it's a reminder to us that, these, and, and you probably know this, when we cross over, they don't ask us how many people we reached or how many followers on Facebook or, or Twitter or, or Instagram. No, <laughs> they only ask, how much did you love? What did you learn? Did you, did you have the courage to live your path, your path and passion and truth? And uh, that's kind of it. So he's just, you know, helping again. And I think... That's the gist of the whole book is everyone's message is um, their perception. They're new 
gained perception since they've crossed over and that they had the fame, the looks, the money, you know, the, the everything that the world sees as successful and each crossed over to only realize that, wow, that wasn't important, but this is, and we want to share this with you all because you're living right now and you have a chance to use your life in the best way possible to live that best life and help others and, and learn these truths now while you're still here. That's powerful, isn't it? I, I love what you really say, though, is that you don't, they don't ask you how many followers you have on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. That's, that's, that's true. precious. It's true. Just, well, how did you love? What did you learn? And uh, so let's, let's do kindness and treat people well. And yeah, yeah. Who have you, in the ones that have come through to you, who were you either the most surprised by or... Um, or were you? you um, know, was those some I of the most know. moving messages? Uh, of course, to know about John Lennon and Michael Jackson, Marilyn Monroe, those are powerful. Um, do you have any favorites, or is it more the what they said? <clears throat> well, all of what they said was fabulous, really touching, meaningful. But yes, I do have favorites. I probably shouldn't, but I do. George Harrison, my favorite. And, uh, and, and Paul Newman, he came in with such love. Oh, God, every time he'd come in, I, I knew it was him because I would uh, start to cry and I would have, I would smell cigarette smoke around the room. And uh, he just had such a deep feeling of love in his heart that, that he put onto me. So he was just beautiful they're all beautiful but some of them I was surprised I didn't know they who they were and some of them I didn't know that they had died because I don't follow anything celebrity related I'm not interested whatsoever which as I said is probably why they chose me because that's I could care less about it and um, but I so I didn't know if some of these people were dead and I would be asking myself as they were channeling through me I'd be saying oh my god I, I, I hope you're dead I actually hope you're dead because what am I getting here? And, you know, and then I would find out later, yes, in fact, they were dead, but I wouldn't know that at the time of channeling. So a lot of, and then Davy, Davy was a big one. Davy Jones, because I had met him a few years earlier, well, a, a number of years earlier uh, in Calgary, Canada. And uh, we, there's a picture in, on my website of him and I talking at the bar where he was playing and we were deep in conversation about life after death. And he kept saying, oh, Lisa, when you're dead, you're dead. And I said, no, Davey, no, 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 you're not. Anyways, fast forward all these years, and he comes to me. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I said, Davey, is that you? Did you die? Oh, my God. He said, yes, and I've never been so happy to be wrong. Wow, that was powerful and shocking. And he's delightful on the other side, happy and joyful, just like I knew him. Well, I only met him that one night, but just just as I experienced him in, in the earth plane, I experienced him in the heavenly realm. Mm, that's really cool. That's very powerful. Um, what about uh, Michael Jackson? Yeah, Michael, Michael was, um, I think he, he has come to me uh, since, 
actually. Uh, and, and a couple of them have come to me after the book. Uh, George being one of them, he comes to me always on the anniversary of his death, which I never know that that's the day, but suddenly there he is. And I think, oh God, okay, I better go look it up because I think it's again the same time of the year. So then, <laughs> yes, I realized that Michael did come to help me with a problem once I was having. And uh, he gave me some wonderful advice. And I, he, and at the end, I was so grateful. And he said, this is the first time I've ever felt needed, that somebody really needed me. And I thought, wow, that's saying something. Um, but in the book, yes, he, he shared uh, that he wished he had done more spiritual work and about judgment and about how people shouldn't judge anything good or bad and what kind of a life it it would be for you know try to imagine what kind of life it would be for somebody that starts out as a young kid and can't even be because they're thrown into this spotlight and all the pressures and the ridiculous reality that gets thrust upon people in that situation and it's about judgment and things like that and you know I talk a lot about that I personally speak on that subject quite a bit because from my work what I've realized is we've all been everything there isn't one of us who hasn't been the villain and the victim the you know the dark and the light the up and the down the thief and the you know I mean we've been at all everything so there is no more judgment when we realize that in other lifetimes we forgot who we were and we did what we did and you know it's just we're all works in progress trying to find our way home and see the light in ourselves and in others. And, and he didn't talk about this, but I do. So I think he's just trying to make sense of what happened and explain um, what it was like to live in his skin. And I, it was powerful and sweet. And my heart just broke listening to him and feeling his energy. Actually, he's really beautiful. Mm, That's really cool. And so was there any kind of adjustment? Like, how could this be happening? I mean, I think you kind of have already answered that. It's just like, you just kind of, like you said, you just didn't have a thing about seeing them any different than anybody else, which that would be great if most people felt that way. But um, it would just, it didn't really change you. It just, it just seemed like you were a messenger and you wanted to get these messages out to everyone. Absolutely. And I still feel that way. I was just today before our, the show here watching uh, something about Ellen uh, with Justin Bieber. And <clears throat> as I'm watching everybody screaming and carrying on for Justin Bieber, I'm thinking the, the thought always hits me when I see that, like, I don't understand. I don't understand. I guess I never understood that. And, and and I know it hasn't changed my my perception of that in any way, and and in fact, if anything, having channeled them has made me realize that gosh, I think I was onto something from the get go, and that was they are just ordinary. In fact, one of them said that. I forget which. Maybe it was Michael. Yeah, I think at the end he said maybe that's the best message I can leave you with is that we're just ordinary, and I think I always saw them as as such. But having done this book, it made me see that they're not only ordinary, but they're, they're flawed and, and, and they're, they're struggling and they're broken like all the, human, the humans on the planet. We're just all the same. And it just happens that that's the life that they chose to play out their creation and their, and their lessons that way. 
And Spirit also recently told me that when we see someone that's super famous or super rich or super anything, it's I used to think, oh, they must be highly evolved to have mastered all the lessons and now they have all this, let's say, fame or money or whatever the case is. No, Spirit corrected me and said that actually when we see people that are maybe super rich or super famous or something, it's usually that that's what they have to learn and there's lessons up around that. And so they had to come in that way to learn about that, whether it's pride or attachment or, uh, you know, whatever the case is, attachment to money or so they have to have money to know attachment to money. So it's these kinds of things. So we shouldn't judge even that. So they're not more special. They're just trying to play out their issues in that arena. And probably you have been and I have been and we've all been wealthy or famous or loved or you know all of it in other lifetimes as well so that's just their lifetime for it and i think that um you know the more we realize we're all one and we're all the same probably the better off the world's going to be oh definitely and i i think that you know it's evident you've had i have also met some very well-known people and some people i i wish i had just had the idea of who I thought they were in my mind rather than meeting them in person. They would, they were shockingly either unkind or, or whatever, you know, in the moment. And you're, you're like, Whoa, <laughs> you know, you wrote that book. How did that happen? <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Exactly. And that's why spirit <clears throat> told me that they said, no, 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 Lisa, they're learning about power and they're learning about doing power. Well, or they're learning about money and non-attachment to it, or ego. They have to have the thing to learn about it. And I thought, wow, that really changed it all for me. Because we start to wonder in this world of you can manifest anything, and you wonder, well, why don't we have blank and blank and blank? Well, it's because that's maybe not your path to learn this or that. Maybe today in this life, your path is to learn about, well, obviously what's in front of you. And that's what you really need to learn, which is what's in front of you. And focus on that, get the lesson, uh, master it, love it, and move on. And you'll get another lesson, and maybe next time it'll be fame or love or money or success or whatever. That's a, that's a really a great perspective and a, a great teaching that goes with that. It really is. Um, what did... Um, Mark Twain, do you recall? I mean, I'm running all these names by you. I'm sure you don't know them all by heart, but I, I'm curious about Mark Twain and Marilyn Monroe. What what did they have to say? Well, Marilyn, for sure, is in, we talked about that resting place, and she's one of the ones, I think maybe the only one in my book that's totally resting. She... Okay. Um, She's just having, she had a really hard uh, go of it, I think. And, um, and it's just, uh, she's just loving what she's doing, which is resting and more power to her. I hope she stays there for, well, just as long as she needs to. So um, she spoke about what it was like and, and all of them do talk about where they are now, and what they're doing. But Mark, Mark, I really enjoyed Mark. And I think he, um, and you're, you're really making me work here because no, I don't remember. Uh, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> but I think he, he also commented, I'm pretty sure he did on David's music that was playing in the background. He really loved that. Uh, but he, I think he talked about change and uh, that, that we need to, um, 
uh, you know, just just watch for those moments of change. Now, I could be confusing him with somebody else. I honestly don't know. But uh, I think he did talk about uh, certainly what's on the other side and not to be afraid of it. And uh, and just, uh, yeah, just, just the differences between that world up there and the one we live in. And... Uh, but he was, he was a, I, I remember his energy as being just really sweet. The mm. one that surprised me, too, was Einstein, because Einstein, uh, it strikes me always, and, and it sits with me, that he, another one that said, don't judge anyone, either good or bad. So when you see someone super talented or super, uh, you know, intelligent or anything, uh, don't judge it as good. Don't judge it as good. Don't judge it as bad. Uh, and he explains why. And it's a, it's a powerful chapter and a powerful teaching. But he says, really, he, he had to let, it took him quite a while when he crossed over to let that go. He went over thinking he was very special and he was all puffed up. And he said, wow, when I got there, I found out uh, I'm not special at all. I'm not. And so he says, don't revere people for any gifts that they happen to display in this life um it's it, it's all all of us have all the gifts and it's just how again how he was playing it out in this life but he had to shed the layers the ego layers when he crossed over to heaven and and get real is is how he had to do it it's just he had to get real and realize wow i'm not so special after all but yet everyone is special so it was powerful and i was Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen. That's really important because I, like many of us, probably do judge good and bad. We judge. We we judge. It's a human. It's a human thing. <laughs> no. but we're programmed that way you know, from the very yeah. beginning of our lives. So we're influenced by imagery and people and spokespeople and yeah. So we do. You're right. Unless we stay in that place of being more awake. We can be extremely easily influenced. I was just thinking earlier, I would, because I, I do a lot now with uh, suicide. I'm part of a movement called Never Alone, and it addresses uh, the second leading cause of death. Uh, ages 10 to 34 is suicide. And I can see you doing a tremendously powerful book on the celebrities of accidental overdose. That I think could be um, so powerful uh, and life changing for a lot of young people in the world that um, you know are on that path uh, for sure. Anyway, I just plant that Absolutely. seed with you. I'm still on this side with you. I still am uh, within this hour. <laughs> I am alive, uh, but I I just uh, got that strong download. Uh, that that could be some really powerful work for you to do um, because of people, you know, honoring celebrities and many of them have uh, died uh, because of addiction. So, well, that is that. Yes, that is um, very profound. Now, the, the thing is, I do actually do quite a bit of work with um, a, a, with suicide and uh, or that that whole field. Um <laughs> The, the the spirit world, the, the ones who came in, had told me to remember a, a, a word, unbidden. And they said, it's the most important word you're ever, we, we need to download to you. 
And it means unsolicited, uninvited. So the whole point of this whole exercise with me, apparently, was it was because I didn't ask, and they it was all them. They came to me. They chose. They told me, we're going to choose who comes, when they come, what they're going to talk about, what's going to be put out. So in other words, I can't go ask them. And I thought that was brilliant. I very challenging for me because I'm a control freak. I did not like this at all. I wanted to have some control here, and I didn't. Um, but the subject of suicide, powerful, and I have the spirit world in general has given me so much information about suicide and what happens and why it's really not worth it. It's really not worth it. So I have I do share that live all the time. It's it's a beautiful teaching. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, in the, the psychic piece of me just sees more and more of that coming to you. How would you, how would you say, or from people reading the book, um, have you had, uh, you know, there's always stories. I mean, I certainly have people that have written stories to me, uh, you know, about an epiphany or something that has occurred. Do you have, I know you have stories, but do you have a couple that, you go, wow, that made it all worthwhile. Oh, my gosh, yes. And and a lot of it, uh, yes, from the book, absolutely. But a lot of it comes from my work because the work, the two kinds of work I do, of course, I do mediumship. Of course, I do psychic work and help people that way. But the two, I guess, subfields of that that I do, one is um, hospice mediumship and one is ancestral soul healing. And when people's relatives or, you know, friends or whatever cross over and either they couldn't be there for their passing or there was a rift there or there was estrangement, abandonment, there, were, there was alcoholism, uh, shutdowns of any kind, whatever the case is, the friend or the parent dies, leaving us here thinking, oh, my God, and now we're just, you know, swimming in this not only grief that they've lost but uh, or that they're gone, but that we can't resolve anything. And when those beloved loved ones come through, we do tremendous healing work because they now are not shut down. They're not uh, shut off, blocked, uh, addicted anymore. They can talk. They can apologize. They can have that reunion that they always wanted. They can set our mind to ease about, oh, you, you didn't make it to my deathbed. That's okay. I actually planned it that way. Whatever the case is. And I tell you, when, when I have sessions like that and I bring through and I do this family healing, oh, my God, I cry. I sit there. I get off the phone and I just cry and think, wow, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for this, this gift. Because, you know, I've had people say this was, you know, seven years. I carried this on my shoulders like weight and I couldn't. My life went downhill. And now in one hour, I can live again. I'm free. It's like I threw off the shackles. And they have peace finally and, and resolution. So that is my best work. And, of course, helping people cross over and helping those that are dealing with that, uh, with the crossing or with someone that is. Powerful, powerful, transformational. So those, you know, those along with, of course, anybody that's, you know, had an epiphany, especially about fear of death, and after my book, they're so not afraid. They're almost looking forward to it. <laughs> not in a bad way, but you know what I mean. I do know because it encourages people to live more. Yeah. That's the, the biggest uh, 
what do we say, the dupe of our society is is people are influenced to be so afraid of death that that keeps them from never really living. So totally. I, I, I love the work you're doing. Uh, to me, it's uh, I I've said this statement for years that people are fascinated with near death experiences, but I'm more fascinated with the near life ones. You know, where oh, we could have been more true. present, where, you know, <laughs> uh, to be more awake, those kind of things. Those are the excitements to me is to connect the dots and the miracles that we're supposed to have. You'll you'll appreciate this because it was a, one of our ministers here in our community um, said one time, and it is really, I've really kind of chewed on it off and on uh, throughout uh, this past year, is he got up and he said to the uh, the community, he said, um, it's the afterlife. You've just arrived and they look at you and they ask you, how was heaven? Oh, that's powerful. <laughs> Isn't that good? Oh. That is oh, that's so powerful. I think I'm going to put that on my phone to remember. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. I told him, I said, you're like my my new most quoted person. I mean, that is so profound. If nothing else, it kind of stirs you up, your psychology, your past religiosity, your your other day or new, better than reality or whatever. It just shakes it all up. Well, how was heaven? Totally. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yes, yeah, and I, lately I've been life. saying, you know, to people, live like you're dying because people that get the, the sentence, uh, they... They do things and act certain ways and think different ways, and that's more the truth. So if we could only live like we are actually dying, we would live to the fullest in our hearts, in our minds, in our passions, in our lives. And uh, yes, because this, well, that's beautiful. Heaven on earth here. It is heaven. Yeah, I thought you would like that. I don't think of it that way, hardly ever, if if ever. (laughs) Well, thank you, everyone. Go to dyingtotellyoubooks.com and get to know Lisa in HR. Lisa, thank you. It's been my privilege. Really loved our time together. Thank you so much for having me. It's been beautiful. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.